The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. Welcome to The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia. I'm Station Manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host from her home studio is Dr. Claudia McKella. Good morning, Claudia. Good morning, Tina. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Summer is definitely upon us, and after months of lockdown and, hey, even homeschooling, this feels great, don't you think? Oh, this was uh, a wonderful little break for me as well, because you're right. I'm done with my kind of homeschooling uh, part of the school year, and this officially marks the beginning of summer vacation for kids and families. You know what? It's a really joyous time. Uh, People usually travel and do things, so it was was great to have this little break one day, you know, weekend, long weekend break. And although some people still got away to their cottages, I really just enjoyed being home and spending time with my family. Um, You know, it's just one of those things that I really look forward to and am focusing on lately. The other thing that I've been focusing on, um, and I want to focus, I want to talk about this a little bit, is keeping as active as possible. So I've been encouraging all of my patients that even though fitness facilities are closed, you can still stay in shape. And in fact, you can even get into shape. Can you believe this? We can actually get into shape while we're at home. But because I think a few of us, me included, have put on that COVID 10, 15, 19, whatever it is. And so getting into shape would be something absolutely great to do at this time of year. And you know what, Tina? It's exercising and being active. It can be really simple. And I like to keep it that way. So just start with walking. Uh, what I recommend is just map out a route, calculate the distance so that you're not focusing on walking for a time frame. So like you're not walking for an hour, let's say you're walking for two to three kilometers, because this way you can gauge all the other important factors. So the other thing I like to recommend is get a smart device. There's so many out there that can calculate your blood pressure and your heart rate. And you know what, these are all really important health indicators that we should be monitoring. Um, And blood pressure a really important topic, especially if we're in our middle ages. We really want to keep the blood pressure functioning and keep it at a minimum. The recommended is 120 over 80. Um, Are you concerned at all about blood pressure, Tina? I think all of us are as as we hit those middle years, as you suggested. So absolutely. And so 120 over 80 is that ideal rate. Is that right? That's right. So I want to break it down a little bit so that listeners understand why blood pressure is important. So the big number, the number that's on top, the 120 marker, that is what we call the systolic blood pressure, and that determines how hard your heart is pumping while you're exercising. So at the moment your heart pumps and the lower ventricles, not to get into a lot of the anatomy, but if you can envision it, it really helps, those squeeze together and they pump blood through and that gets to all the organs. So that's really important to know. So if you're not in the best shape, immediately when you started exercise, that blood pressure number, that number is going to go up. The healthier your heart gets and the more you exercise, it won't be such a dramatic increase and that's how you know you're getting on the track to healthy heart health. So the average person should have a blood pressure, like I said, of 120 over 80. But as you get healthier, that might lower a little bit. Your lower number, the number that's usually around 80, that determines how much your heart is pumping when you're at rest. So 
that's also an important number because you don't want it to be too high because that means your heart is working hard even when you're not doing anything. So 25% of our population has high blood pressure. So this is a pretty high number considering that you know, we need to keep our heart health in check. So exercise and weight loss are the best way to control your blood pressure. So if we do suffer from high blood pressure, how do we, should we ease into it? Should we talk to our medical doctor before we do any kind of exercise? Well, absolutely. I always recommend talk to your family physician about your exercise routine. Make sure that your heart is at a point where it can handle a little bit of um, a workout. Uh, Once you get the clean bill of health to do so, then you can start on your program. And like I said, keep it very simple. Walking is really a great way to start because from walking, we can easily build on that. So I always recommend walk and then you build it up to like a 30-second to 60-second to a 90-second spurt where you can almost bring it up into a jog and then relax your heart. This is the best way to increase your cardiovascular health and to keep your blood pressure at bay. So is there a good time of day or the best time of day to walk or, you know, try a light run? So I recommend that you do it when you feel comfortable. You know, we've been having some really hot weather, so maybe like peak of the day, noon, is not the best time just because it might be too hot. Uh, But whatever you feel comfortable doing, just make sure that you've stretched beforehand and you're properly hydrated, and then get started on your journey to heart health. Now, you did say that if you're not the type of person who exercises regularly, your your blood pressure is going to automatically go up. When do you know that you're pushing or you're, yeah, you're pushing your heart a little too much? Well, you know, you'll start to feel like really intense, um, you know, sweating. You might also feel slightly dizzy. You don't want to get to that point because then you're just pushing yourself too much. You do want to have your get your body to the point where you're feeling like you're winded when you're talking. So, But you still want to be able to maintain a conversation. You just want to feel like your breathing is a little bit faster. You want to feel your heart pumping. You know what? When you get used to that feeling, you're going to love it. It is so good for you. And what about eating or snacking before or after a walk or a run? Okay, not recommended um, because then what happens is your, your body is applying all of its energy to trying to digest. So make sure that you've had something to eat or drink maybe an hour before so that your body isn't, you know, your stomach is not feeling full because you'll get cramps, you'll stop the digestive process, which isn't a great idea, and you might end up with something like heartburn and, and that's going to bring you a whole other world of complications that you just don't need. So an hour before, have a light snack and, uh, and then have something maybe a half an hour after you've exercised if you've brought the intensity up um, and just focus on having like a light protein um, or maybe a fruit. All right, Dr. Claudia's takeaway, exercise and activity can be simple. Start with walking. Okay, we got it. When we come back, health, wellness, and hitting those fitness goals, this is The Wellness Prescription on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Have a question for Dr. Claudia? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 105.9 The Region or email us info at 1059theregion.com. The Wellness Prescription with Dr. Claudia on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to The Wellness Prescription. Over to Dr. Claudia with today's guest. 
Thank you, Tina. Joining us on the show today is health and wellness expert, Sonia Haas. She is on a mission to help you live your best life. After overcoming her own personal struggles with body image and negative self-talk, she walked away from her corporate career to share her hard-earned lessons with others. She later embarked on a successful speaker series in order to personally connect with her audience. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to backtrack a bit and let you tell us a little bit about your journey. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, Claudia. It's such a pleasure. Um, I mean, my journey has been, yeah, it's been a bit of an interesting evolution. I can't say when I was growing up that I ever sort of imagined myself being, you know, a personal trainer or nutrition specialist or health and wellness expert, um, you know, when I was growing up. In fact, you know, like a good Indian girl, I was expected to become a doctor or lawyer or engineer. And when none of those things were happening because I was pretty bad at chemistry and physics and all the things you need to be able to succeed in, in order to pursue careers like you know, engineering or becoming a doctor, um, I decided to kind of get my business degree um, and I went to Queens for Commerce and, you know, was pretty headstrong in pursuing a career um, in sales and consulting. And so after university, I started working at IBM and I had a pretty excellent start to my career. It was kind of one of those things where, you know, I got the dream job with tons of money and a lot of just early success. And, you know, for the first year, I felt really great about it. Like, you know, I had achieved all the things I'd wanted to achieve. And then slowly, the negative narrative just started to kind of creep back in. I was finding myself just sort of disenchanted by the job, you know, kind of wondering why I didn't feel happier on a daily basis. You know, I'd finally gotten where I wanted to get, and yet I just felt like, something was missing and I was constantly sort of battling the am I good enough narrative and so I didn't know what to do. I, you know, I was married at the time. We had bought a beautiful home. Like all the ticky marks that I was supposed to have achieved, I had done. And when I sat back and kind of looked at it, I was like, this is still not cutting it. So what do I do from here? And so in uh, true you know, perfectionist fashion, I decided to get my MBA because I was like, when is more education not the answer? So I did my executive MBA while still working, hoping that, you know, maybe that would give me some inspiration on how I wanted to pivot my career, you know, maybe switch industries, something like that. Um, and to make a long story short, I, you know, finished the MBA, moved to a smaller technology company, um, and still had sort of the same haunting feeling coming up again and again, being like, you're just, you're not doing what you're meant to be doing. This is not as good as life is supposed to get. What is happening? And so I had always been sort of plagued by this desperate need to be skinny. Um, you know, when I was younger, starting at the age of nine, I remember sort of thinking like, oh, but why is my stomach round? How come it's not flat? Is there anything I can do to make it flat? Um, and it was really strange because nobody had ever overtly called me, you know, fat. I was not a particularly large child. Um, I wasn't, you know, like super tiny framed, but I was just your average kid growing up, um, nothing out of the ordinary. And sort of from the age of nine onwards, I'd say that the narrative got louder 
and louder. And, you know, I went through a phase of anorexia in high school, started battling bulimia in university, um, and really was just constantly fighting with myself to be this perfect, you know, sort of size zero clothes hang on you in that, you know, heroin chic sort of way. It was that image that I was desperate for and I could never quite get there. Or if I did get there, you know, I would hang out in that sort of body size for a month or two and then fall off the wagon, rebound back to my original size, if not bigger. And the cycle just continued for years. And so, you know, at that sort of inflection point in my life after I had embarked on this, you know, successful corporate career and done the MBA, I decided for the first time to just abandon the external accolades and stop chasing another degree and to just sit back and really look inwards to really sort of confront what had been going on on the inside for so long, you know, thinking about having children and potentially one day having a daughter, I was really concerned about the idea that, you know, I was going to have to be a role model or an example for a tiny little human. And if I couldn't actually, you know, get to a place of harmony within my mind and body, then what was I ever going to teach somebody else? And so I sort of went on this um, outer inner journey for about a year where I retaught myself the fundamentals of fitness and nutrition. I started coming at the journey from a place of um, positivity and rather than looking for, you know, quick fixes and quick results, it was all about sort of, you know, working with my body to understand what did it need, what did it want, what did it respond to, um, you know, what made me feel energetic and physically fit and how could I expand on that strength and sort of really move with it. And I mean, it just sort of was a really interesting year where all of a sudden this passion just sort of ignited in, in within me where I, you know, started to see results fine. That wasn't even the point. It was that I was feeling like myself. I was starting to feel really authentic and empowered and I felt like I had uncovered these secrets and I wanted to go to the gym and just sort of yell at all the women who are bobbing up and down on the elliptical being like, you're doing it all wrong. <laughs> you don't need to come at it this way. It sounds like it was quite a process and a journey for you. And you said, you know, you want to go into these gyms and tell women, especially that you're doing this all wrong. Are you suggesting then that everyone's journey and process has to be similar? You have to really go through all of those stages and emotions before you can find something that really works for you? I don't think it needs to be quite so painful, right? Like, I definitely don't think that you need to go through such tremendous volatility the way I went through. I think the problem is the vast majority of women in particular, and men, but I'll say women in particular, those that I've worked with, you know, when I'm giving talks to, you know, hundreds or thousands of women, you know, there, there is this quiet suffering that it seems like everyone is going through. And when you start to share the narrative and you really sort of break down um, and normalize the negative voices that we're all listening to and the hamster wheel that we all feel like we're on, you know, trying this and then trying that and hoping for results and feeling frustrated when we don't get them. I think, you know, there is that common struggle that so many of us women go through, particularly in the past, right? Like now I feel like there is a lot of body positivity and empowerment and, um, you know, lifting weights is no longer considered a foreign idea. There is this really strong focus on building strength now that wasn't there before. 
But even now, I will say that, you know, the people that come at this desire to have a body that looks at a, looks a certain way, those that come at it at that surface level, you know, not really delving into the what do they really want and why. Why is this sort of on the wagon, off the wagon cycle continuing on for so long? What do they really value? Where are these perfectionist tendencies that we're struggling with coming from, you know, where it's like an all or nothing approach all the time? Um, you know, those limiting beliefs that we all suffer from, you know, unlayering the reason that we feel like we're not good enough to be able to run the marathon or, you know, do the same sort of things that other people can. I think, you know, when you fail to look at those different pieces and really start to peel back the layers, it just ends up being sort of like a patchwork solution, a little Band-Aid solution until the next life circumstance hits. And Sonia, you know, you made a very valid point. I mean, we've all been in the first phase of this, you know, social distancing and isolation, and it has been a real struggle for many people, particularly women, I find. Um, and now you just had a baby about six months ago. So mm -hmm. your situation is, you know, is even more so different. Um, and you've openly shared your body transformation on your social media from birth mm -hmm. to now. Um, did having a baby trigger those old emotions and maybe those old habits? Um, and what tips can you offer women who are going through the same thing? You know, that is a really great question. And I will say that I was, um, I was a little bit worried that it would uh, for a couple different reasons. One, I gained significantly more weight this time than I did in my first pregnancy. So in my first pregnancy, I gained about 32 pounds. And this time around, I gained 60 pounds. And so, uh, you know, I would be lying if I said that, you know, on the other side of having the baby, I was not concerned at all about, you know, being able to get back to a body that feels um, strong again and sort of aligned with, you know, what feels good for me. It's not that I was desperate to be, you know, back to my pre-baby size. You know, that may or may not ever happen, and that's okay. But I was a bit concerned about the fact that, you know, how long is this going to take for me to actually be able to, like, lift a dumbbell and be like, that doesn't hurt anymore. Um, and so it was, you know, a bit of a, a winding journey because I kind of got started in a really slow and steady fashion, you know, making, you know, really – sound um, progress for, I'd say, a couple of months, but it was just really gentle and slow. And then when we got to March and we went into isolation, I was like, oh, God, you know, now I'm going to be at home with two children and a frontline worker husband. And, you know, I was already starting to feel like, okay, I'm in a bit of a rhythm. Now how far back am I going to get thrown? And what I will say is, and again, this goes back to our earlier question, because I think over the last five years or so, I really have done the layered work. I've really gone deeper and then deeper and then deeper in each iteration of confronting my narrative with my body. Now, it sounds like you're very focused and we know that you're very big on goal setting. How does that help you stay on track with your own fitness journey? And what advice do you have for our listeners who maybe are not as focused as you are? 
I think goal setting is it's tricky, right? Because I'm a big fan of goals and setting smart goals, you know, actionable goals that you can really tackle I think are really important. You know, a lot of times we'll, um, you know, have conversations with our girlfriends or we'll just be expressing frustration. We're just like, oh, I just, I just want to lose weight. And, you know, saying that you want to lose weight is a great sentiment, sure, if that's how you feel. But in order to set goals, you need to be really specific about what that means. It can't just be this arbitrary idea that you have and then you sort of hope that you're going to kind of get to this vague image in your head. You really have to be specific. Like, what does that mean? And I'm not a big fan of the scale personally. I mean, I do think that it has a role to play in certain phases of your fitness journey. But I will always say that if you're going to make a weight-oriented, scale-oriented goal to tie a performance goal along with that. So if it's going to be, you know, I need to lose 10 pounds, first of all, make the time frame realistic because I need to lose 10 pounds in two weeks is never going to be something that you're going to win. And if you find yourself discouraged because you can't get there, it's because the goal was unrealistic to begin with. But also to tie a goal to yourself that is performance-oriented. So if you're into running, can you make it about distance or can you make it about time? You know, if you're into lifting weights, can you make it about strength? So you know, my goal at the end of you know, August is to be able to lift 20-pound dumbbells instead of 10-pound dumbbells, for example. Making sure that you've got those tangibles, I think, is a really important piece um, that can really ensure that you are able to stay focused on something that isn't just, well, am I feeling like I'm doing good or am I feeling like I'm doing bad? Because frankly, all of our feelings are usually negative. Most of us have a really hard time being positive with ourselves, so most of us always feel like we're doing worse than we should be. The other thing I will say is that I think it's really important to be incredibly realistic about the goals that you're setting for yourself. Even though we all seem to have heard this before, that you know, losing one to two pounds a week is realistic, I will still talk to people who are disheartened if they didn't you know, watch the scale drop five pounds in a week. And so starting really, really small and really getting to the most basic aspects of your goals, I think, is a great place to start. When I was post-baby this time around, my goal was to move my body for 20 minutes two times a week. And that was my goal for the first month. That literally sounds like nothing. It was two times a week, 20 minutes a piece, and make sure that I drink two liters of water a day. And I had an obnoxious-sized water bottle, and I did it every day. And that was my, like, do I get a gold star or not? And you know what? It's like the small stuff that allows you to build positive momentum. Okay, a gold star one day, a gold star another day. Suddenly I had a week under my belt, and I was like, oh, hey, I'm pretty focused. I'm making progress. I'm not getting pulled back. Two weeks in, starting to feel a little bit better. Three weeks in, I'm like, okay, you know what? I think I'm ready for a little bit more. So then from two days, I moved to three days a week. And from 20 minutes, I moved to 30 minutes. And by the second month, I'm exercising three days a week, 30 minutes at a time, drinking two liters of water a day, and I've decided, okay, let me try and cut back on refined food, you know, five days of the week. And two days of the week, I can still enjoy some of the more processed things that, you know, tend to be fun. And for a month, 
Those were my goals. Now, if you look at it from the outside, you're like, I mean, that's not that complicated. Like, why did you need to do that for a month before you moved on to something else? It's kind of like building that practice again, building the momentum again, reminding yourself day in and day out that like, oh, hey, you're really doing this, and maybe you can take on more because this is not swallowing you up. The difference between doing that and doing what most people tend to do, which is I'm going to do everything. I'm going to do this, and if I don't do it, then that means I'm not hardcore and I don't want this badly enough. And then two or three weeks in being like, this is really hard. I guess I don't want this badly enough. I'm a bad person. There's no way I'm ever going to be able to achieve my goals, so why don't I eat an entire box of cookies is usually what ends up happening. And so, yes, be realistic with what you want, but also like super baby steps. Give yourself gold stars for like almost nothing if you can because it really adds up. And I, I so agree with everything you just said. It's really important to be kind to yourself and give yourself those baby steps and you know, those are some great takeaways today. Can't thank you enough for sharing all of it with you. Now, if listeners want to get more of you and learn more about all of the wonderful things you're doing, how can they do that? You can find me on social media, um, Instagram or Facebook, at Sonia Joss, S-O-N-I-A-J-H-A-S. Um, and yeah, I mean, I have a website as well, SoniaJoss.com, where a lot of the same sort of tools um, and information and blog posts are sort of shared. So you can explore sort of all the different avenues where I share a lot of sort of inner and outer, outer work that I'm working on that hopefully can help, you know, everybody else on their journeys as well. Yes, your, your blogs are amazing. So anybody wanting to, go to that website. She's got some great articles up there. Thank you. You're welcome. And Dr. Claudia, please remind our listeners how to connect with you. You can find me on Instagram at Claudia underscore Macchiella or my website, www.thecenterforhealth.ca. That's our show for this week. For previous episodes of The Wellness Prescription, go to 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Connect with us on Twitter at 